The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hey, everyone. This is Karen Levitt, and today I'm joined with Pat Bateson. And a brief intro with Pat is she's a wife, a mom, a grandmother, a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master. Pat is a Tong Ren practitioner, certified in basic aromatherapy, acustone treatment, and Twina massage. Pat is also a registered nurse with more than 35 years' experience, of which the last 17 were spent in the field of oncology. Pat herself is a cancer survivor, or thriver, as she likes to call herself, and is author of several articles published in Breast Cancer, Wellness, and Coping Magazine, and most recently the author of her published book, Firewalk. And it is my privilege to welcome Pat to the show. Thank you, Karen. It's an honor for me to be here today. I'm I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you. You here. So I um went over a little bit about your background, but if you would like to share more of yourself with the listeners, your background, that would be wonderful. Sure. Um so you're talking like my childhood, starting from back that kind of thing? Sure. That would okay. be great. Yeah. So um, I grew up in what I would probably consider a little bit of a dysfunctional childhood. Um, my father was uh, an alcoholic, and uh, so there was a lot of chaos in the house. And my mom um, took tranquilizers, and if she drank on top of that, um, things could get, let's just say, a little crazier. And um, so there was a lot of fear in the house and uh, a lot of drama at times. And um, it was frankly a very kind of frightening environment to grow up in. So um, I had two older sisters and a younger brother, and I was the third. And um, for some reason, um, I don't know, sometimes they say every child in the family has a role that they play. And I, for whatever reason, sort of became the peacemaker in the family. And mm-hmm. um, it felt like it was my role to try to keep peace in this very chaotic environment that we lived in. Um, mm-hmm. I also, from a very young age, was known to walk around the house with stuffed animals and was always putting Band-Aids on them and kind of like doing healing work at a very young age. And it's kind of interesting how they both went together. So I kind of grew up that way, always trying to keep peace in the house and um, to make things go smoothly, as smoothly as things could go. Um, That along the way led to, in later years, um, I didn't know it at the time, but um, 
I became a codependent. And so I, at my own expense, I would do pretty much anything and everything um, for my parents, um, neglecting my own needs to take care of them and to, again, do things to kind of keep the peace in the house. So when I was a teenager, for example, um, I was oftentimes put in situations where my parents sort of became the children, the children in the family, and I became the parent. I, I kind of stepped into the parental role, which I was maybe 15, 16, 17 years of age. So in retrospect, I, I felt like I sort of missed, you know, some of my childhood years because this was the role I stepped into, but mm-hmm. it, it was what it was, and I didn't recognize it at the time. I just knew that's what I needed to do. Um, so that kind of happened there, and then Later on, in years later, when I um, was married and I had a husband and children of my own, I was still falling into this codependency role, and it wasn't serving me anymore, and it was starting to cause some issues with my relationship with my husband, and I was recognizing that I, it was becoming very challenging for me to continue mm-hmm. doing this because I would do it morning, noon, and night if they called me, and it really wasn't working anymore. So um, after seeking out a therapist, uh, she suggested, number one, that I read Codependency No More by Melody Beattie, um, and that I start to detach from my parents and let go. And I can remember being in that office chair like it was yesterday when she said, you have to detach with love and let them go. The hair just stood up on my back, and I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I didn't say it to her, but my first thought was, I can't do that. They need me to survive. And so I left the office, and I went home. I picked up the book. And when I read the book, I felt like she had written it to me personally because mm-hmm. I could so relate and understand exactly what she was saying, and it depicted me and my life. So I read it, and I continued working with um, my therapist, and she, at one point, uh, it was suggested to me that I, I write them a letter, um, which I did uh, very it was a very tough thing for me to do to write them this letter, but it, it came to, to a point in time, Karen, that I needed to start to think about me, which was very difficult for me to do because all my life I had been nurturing and taking care of other people, and I was not taking care of me. So when I decided to write this letter, it was after a lot of debate and a lot of thought. And I said, okay, I'm going to write this. It seemed easier than speaking to them in person that I could just send them a letter and things would be fine. That was what I thought. Um, so I sent them a letter telling them how much I loved them and appreciated them, but I needed to step back from the relationship and take care of Pat and do Pat for a change, and, mm-hmm. and I, I would hope that they would understand. Um, I didn't hear from them for several days, which was very unusual because we typically chatted every day, and I would listen to their long list of aches and pains and complaints and everything that wasn't right in the world. And so when I didn't hear from them, I knew something was up. So I could feel my the the pressure of me starting to rise, like, okay, I've done the wrong thing, I've done the wrong thing, I've done the wrong thing. And when my father finally did call me, they they did not understand anything in this letter at all. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they kind of disconnected from my family and myself, which was a very sad time in our life. Um but it had to mm-hmm. be. I had to I had to let go at that time, and perhaps we'll chat about that later. Um, sure. And then I moved forward. Um, so we kind of did detach. We would see each other at times, but there wasn't a lot. It just was kind of a sad time in our life. And then mm-hmm. a few months later, I received a phone call from my mom, and I knew that um, 
something was really wrong. And my dad had just been to the doctors and had been diagnosed with cancer, and the prognosis was not good. So the instinct in me was to first hang up the phone, run over there, and start to fix and save and change things. And I was an oncology nurse, so this was my field of expertise, and I knew exactly what to do. And in that moment... I really had to step back and it was almost like I had spirit came in and spoke to me and said, you have to let them go and do this dance together. Mm-hmm. So That's- I did and um, they kind of, he, he stayed, I think he lived for about five months after that and I would visit with them but I, I did not participate in any of the care. I was letting them make all their decisions and really stepped back and let them do their thing together. And when it came time for my father to pass, um, actually so many miracles took place. It's, it was absolutely incredible. And, um, my father loved a party and my father loved having family surround him. And so when this happened, we all rallied around him and were with him from the time he entered the hospital. He was in the hospital for about four or five days and we were with him from the grandchildren, the young little kids to his sister who was uh, late eighties, we were all with him, and he w- had a co- he went into a coma. He had had a stroke, and um, he was paralyzed on one side, and he could not um, move his mouth. He couldn't talk. He was in a coma, and I have to say, I felt more love for my father when he was dying than I had ever felt my whole life. It was absolutely, absolutely some of the most amazing, beautiful, miraculous experiences that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's incredible, Pat. I mean, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And then five weeks later, my mom died. Um, She said she was dying, and I closed her out because I wasn't ready. I I didn't believe it, and she said it to me, and she meant it. And five weeks later, my mom died, and the same experience occurred where we all were with her through the whole process, and there were blessings, there were lessons. It was absolutely, it was sad, but it was absolutely a beautiful time for my whole family, and for her to help her cross over with ease and grace and dignity. So it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and then 10 months after that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And talk about knocking you down. Um, it threw me into a dark night of the soul and um, really caused me to dig deep and look at mm-hmm. the fear that was rising in me and um, really helped me look at things in my life and to um, move forward and heal. Okay. Can I just want to go back if I can, Pat? Because that's yeah. inc- that's it's amazing. I mean, everything yeah. lines up like, and then like dominoes, everything comes yeah. knocking down like all in yeah. a row. Mm-hmm. And you know what you said initially in the beginning is so true. You know, you're a nurse. I'm a nurse. I know we speak to and for a lot of our fellow nurses. Um, it's true. You have that caregiver piece inside you that is so big. Mm-hmm. We we move mountains. You you yeah. do whatever you need to do to take care of whoever it is or whomever it is that you love right. in your circle. I think you learned that early on. You were the peacemaker. You were the caregiver, and you um, sought that out. It's the most noble profession, you know, nursing. Mm-hmm. And that being said, we as nurses, I think we can't because of the system. And I'm not bashing the system, but the truth is. How it's set up is we, we're not set up to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're taught to always, you, know, you have to be there for whomever needs you. Right. And, and, and in that, we, we take the back seat a lot of times, and, and there's so much, it's so rich. 
you know, it's it's amazing that um, through all of this you had an awakening and then, you know, your parents disconnected. You wrote a letter. How painful is that? I mean, mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to yeah. really to even reach that point, you know, yeah. you had to write that letter, to have the courage to write the letter. I mean, and to not self-soothe in some other fashion, let's say, because that's right. what that's acceptable in the society. You know, we mm-hmm. do something else, and mm-hmm. you you didn't. I I applaud you and commend you for really taking the deep breath and feeling it, and stepping forward and writing that letter, and then reading the book and feeling like it was just for you. When you said that, I got goosebumps listening yeah. to you. Yeah, I mean, how many? Yeah, I'm sure many listeners can relate. We've all had moments like that, right? Where you, yeah, yeah, and then um, with your dad. I mean, what a bless! You know, you're such a blessing and such a light to to stand and hold love, and just to be present, and to say that you felt, you know, more love when he was transitioning than in your entire life. That's that's powerful. Yeah, I I wanted to uh, elaborate on that a little bit because Mm. um, I think a lot of people are afraid of transitioning and what comes next and what's the process like. And I I already knew what all that was about because I had really been with hundreds and hundreds of people who had crossed over. And, of course, when it's your parents, it's a different story, too, because you're connected to them. There's a lot of love and feelings and emotions involved in that. And yet with my dad... You know, it, it was like he was in a coma. He couldn't respond verbally, yet he gave us clues and that he was, that his soul, his spirit was still so alive. He, at one point, um, there was one evening we were waiting for my nephew to come from out of state and he was the first born and we knew my dad needed to see him. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and my dad's breathing kind of changed and I noticed it had changed. And so we were all around him and we were praying over him and I out of my pocket, I still had on my scrubs from work because I had gone straight up there from work and I had a stone in my pocket that on it was inscribed the word love. And so something again, spirit, higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, instructed me to go into my pocket. I forgot it was there and I took it out of my pocket and I put it right over his heart, over his Johnny. And Karen, he had had a stroke and he could not move his right side and all of a sudden for about five seconds he had a grin from ear to ear that we all could see. And it was like, okay, you are still, that soul is in there. It is alive and well. You are safe. You are supported. And we all saw it. We were in tears watching it. And it was like, we all went, wow, this is Mm -hmm. is the soul that's still alive and well in him. And Mm -hmm. then... Right before he passed, um, we were all around him again, and we were saying we loved him. You know, you are free to go, because we, we truly we knew it was his time. And right before he passed, he lifted up his right arm, which, again, was a paralyzed arm. He raised it up in the air as if to wave goodbye to us, and he placed it softly on his belly. Oh, and it wow. was, I'm telling you, we were in tears, and it was just of joy that mm. we knew he was okay, he was fine, he was doing what he needed to do, and he was going to be safe no matter where he went to and his transition. He has since written to me. I, I speak to him through, um, we talk telepathically, and that his transition was most beautiful, and with all of us wow. being there, was absolutely grand for him. So... I want people to know that, that, you know, this is what is possible. And yes, there is sadness around the death and dying process, but there was also 
much grace, much beauty, mm-hmm. much love, mm-hmm. much healing. Absolutely. The forgiveness work began then, and it was just the the way I began it with my dad, and then was to continue that after he died. Okay. So forgiveness began while he was still on this earth, and then it continued afterwards. They don't always have to be here to do your right. forgiveness work. I was still able to do it even though he had crossed over. So it that. was absolutely amazing experiences. Thank you, Pat. That is truly amazing. And on that note, we're going to pause for a quick break, and we'll pick right back up when we come back. Stay tuned. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America empowerment. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant Dietta Jones and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, thank you for joining us. Today I have my guest is Pat Bates, and then before the break we were speaking, Pat was sharing the amazing journey of her father's transition, and she was saying that she was able to speak to her father telepathically once he had transitioned, and Pat is a nurse and hypnotherapist, Reiki master, and um, Tong Ren practitioner. So I want to ask Pat to share what that's like to speak with someone or get a message telepathically, because I know... A lot of us get messages in different ways, or we see a series of numbers or something that reminds us of someone. So, Pat, if you could share what that's like. Oh, sure, Karen. Um, 
Well, I, I get messages from um, people who have crossed over a couple of different ways. Um, sometimes it's just I hear it particularly in my right he- ear. I will hear my ear gets a little buzzy, and then I will hear messages um, that come directly through my ear, and I hear them. Other times I connect through its process called automatic writing, where I will be sitting and I may write a question, and I then get I receive an answer, I hear it, and it goes into my brain, and then I write it down. Uh, other times, it's my father or a loved one connecting to me first, so they'll start to say things, and I will write it down, and um, I receive messages that way. Uh, quite often, they're messages of loving, of kindness, of um, you know, wonderful, positive things that they want to share with me, always with hope and a lot of wisdom. And um, it's just a beautiful way to connect with people who have crossed over. Uh, so oftentimes I, I've worked with people and I've heard people say, you know, my loved one has crossed over, they've died, they've passed on, and I will never be able to hear or see them again. And yes, you you will not see the physical body, but their spirit is still alive. And I that is how I receive their messages. So I still connect with my parents all the time. And um, like I said, it's it's always about love and light and beautiful beautiful messages. And the end of my book was a beautiful message as is written in my book from my mom sharing, you know, certain things about my life and um, our journey together that absolutely put me into tears because she's witnessed all of this. They are may not be here in physical form, but they know exactly what I'm doing here on earth. So mm-hmm. it's just so comforting to, to know that and be aware that your loved ones can still be with you, not in the physical sense, but still connect with you spiritually. And that's one, one of the ways that I do it is through my writing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I know for myself, I I have a light bulb that always blows out in my dining room. Mm-hmm, and I know, mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know it sounds silly, but that's my dad. Yep. Because that's what happened the night he died in mm-hmm. my mother's dining room. The light, yep. one of the light bulbs in the chandelier blew out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think that's really fascinating because, you know, how often do you see a license plate driving down the road or, you know, you exactly. see something on TV and you go, oh, and it reminds yes. you. Yes. And so... Yes. I think, you know, those are all little signs. It's true that the person or persons that we loved who have gone beyond are are trying to let us know they're with us. So I Exactly. Exactly. And it's so comforting to people once they recognize that. People are so comforted to still feel the love from their loved ones. I think that's what 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 we're what we're seeking is to feel that love and, and know, like you said, that they are still with us, and I think that's just very reassuring, and I think it's the most beautiful thing. So mm-hmm. I would totally agree with you, Karen. Yeah, and there's and there's nothing to fix. It's just that they want you to know, or you know, that they're still there. I think a lot of people are afraid. They think it's, I don't know. You see it on TV on these reality shows, you know, and that's fine. You know, people right. people are skeptical, like they don't believe mm-hmm. that can happen. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, yeah. and you know, as a nurse, especially in oncology, and I did med surgeon cardiac. That um, you, you know, we're often witness to someone transitioning, and um, yeah, we we see that. You see, this sometimes there's a struggle, and sometimes there's a lot of peace and joy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it really is an honor to uh, be present to witness to that. And did you always, as a child, Pat, you said you've always known that you wanted to be a nurse, and what did you most enjoy about nursing since you um, specialize in oncology? I loved 
connecting to my patients. I mean, the physical care I enjoyed doing, but it was more sitting there, holding their hand, um, really sitting and being with them and listening to them because beyond the cancer, they had families, they had dreams, they had hopes, they had aspirations. Um, so I loved to connect with them and hear about all those other things that were a big part of their lives. And yes, they're here being treated for such and such disease, but they are so much more than their disease. And so that's what I wanted to learn about and hear about. And I wanted to hear about, I wouldn't say, how were you doing? I would ask them how they were feeling because I wanted to know how they were feeling. I was open enough and I was strong enough that I I could take what they had to tell me, which oftentimes they would be, they would feel afraid. They would feel scared. They would have all these emotions going on that they didn't know what to do with. And um, so I was open enough that they could share with me what it is they were really feeling openly and honestly. And it just um, allowed us to, I, I developed some very deep, rich relationships with my with my patients, which I still carry with me today. They, some of them were my greatest teachers in my life. That's incredible. And, you know, you yeah. bring up a good point. Healing really is an inner job. And yeah. um, it's you know, I'm grateful to be part of a Western medicine team, and but it's not just about the modalities and the prescriptions. So you really, you know, you touched on that. That's such a rich point. Healing really comes from within, mm-hmm. and you you have done so much. As like I said, you're the Reiki and the Tonren and the Twina. So I wondered if you, you know, how did did you integrate that into your, you know, when you worked as a nurse. Yep. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, the Reiki I would I would do when I was working with them. Um, if I was helping them get up and walk to the bathroom, you know, and I was holding their hand or I had my hand on their shoulder, before I would start their um, intravenous for them to get their chemotherapy, I would hold their hand and I would rub their arm, and I was actually doing Reiki, sending healing, love, and light to them, um, you know, before I, I started their IV. Um, so I was doing Reiki on them a lot of the time and um, it just felt very wonderful to be able to, it's a healing energy, it's a healing energy and that's what I was doing while I was working around them is I was, you know, sometimes I would Reiki their bag and just put love and light into that bag and yes, there's chemicals in it but there can be love and light in there as well and just envision that going into their body, healing wherever it needed to go and um, it was just a beautiful, simple thing that I could do while I was working there and uh, I really enjoyed being able to to do that with them and they loved it they they were very open sure and you know, did to, your co-workers know sorry Pat, did your co-workers notice a difference um sometimes my patients would be very calm and they'd be like why are your patients so calm um you know or you know they wouldn't have reactions to things that typically some other patients would and i'm like well maybe it is because i don't know but it's a possibility and um so, you know, and I tended to have kind of a very peaceful, calming demeanor about myself because if I go over all frazzled, they're already feeling that way some of the time. So if I can be peaceful and calming, you know, then it helps their environment as well. And that's really what I wanted to be able to give to them was, okay, you're here with me for several hours now, and what can I do for you physically, a blanket, a, a drink, and then I can do the Reiki. I can do these things that are just going to comfort and soothe you for the time that you're here. And I really really enjoyed being able to do that. I really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, through your own work, you and the journey with your family, then in a very short time span, you learned of your own diagnosis. Yeah. I can't really imagine what that's like. Um, you know, I've what happened with me is was after I 
never been able to go back to the clinical floor. So, um, right. and you, you say that your di- cancer diagnosis was a wake up call and it allowed you to transform your life in, um, breathtaking ways. I wondered if you would like to touch on that and share. Sure. All of that. Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah. My cancer diagnosis was, um, Truly, it was a dark night of the soul, but it was also an awakening. I just didn't know that at the time. And um, I had—I really came to recognize through the healing work that I did, I really dug in deep to look at the fear, to look at the boogeyman that was, that was present there because I needed to figure out what it was in my life that was spiraling me out of control. And what I, one of the things I really realized, Karen, is that I had felt most of my life that I had been a victim, which perhaps as a child I was, but when I became older... I really was no longer a victim. I was an old, I was a woman and I was in charge of my life. Yet I recognized that I still felt like a victim and it was up to me to change that. And I had met a woman, um, many years ago at a retreat and she said to me, there are no victims in this world, only willing participants. Furthermore, you can change your life at any time. Now I had no idea how to not become a victim because when I was diagnosed, I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. I felt alone. I was afraid. And I really didn't know how to move through that. And so I just started taking steps for my physical level. I started doing acupuncture. I did Western medicine, but I incorporated acupuncture, Reiki. I went to a, a nutritionist who used muscle testing to find out what bodies would heal my, what, what foods would heal my body. Um, I started doing guided imagery, like seeing images, creating images for meditation, seeing my body being healed. So it allowed me, my cancer allowed me to really look at what had been holding me back in my life and to start to go back and heal that and repair it and to move forward in my life and that I was indeed not a victim, but that Mm -hmm. I was a victor. And through all of these things that I did, I started reading books. I went to teachers. A whole new world opened up for me that I really started to see things differently and that I could be truly, truly be part of my healing process. I had my team of doctors. I had my team of radiologists, um, oncologists, but I also could participate and be an active participant in my life healing. Mm-hmm. And I think when people see that, that you can, you know, you don't have to just give you all your power away to professionals. You indeed are in charge of your team and you are a team together. They are working for you. It truly, truly, truly empowers you. And that's mm-hmm. what happened for me is I had that shift from feeling like a victim and very vulnerable to becoming very empowered and really standing there and starting to speak my truth, which I had never done my whole life. So that was that was part of my awakening. That was a huge transformation for me. Absolutely huge. Huge. So with the diagnosis of cancer and your journey, you actually found your voice. Yes. That's powerful. It is and, powerful. Uh, it that is, is powerful. very mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. I mean yeah. that alone is enough to scare no offense the de- you know, scare the, the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And then through <laughs> it all, you, really and through it all, this this dark journey, as you say, and you know, you find light. You actually begin to share with the Western practitioners because they, I think they start to see you move and shift, like you said, because you integrated both Eastern and Western yeah. me- medicine um, modalities and treatments. They begin to see the shift, mm-hmm. and and it's so beautiful that through this all, you 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 found your power and your voice. Yeah. And on that, we. On that note, I'm going to pause for a quick break, Pat, and we'll pick right back up on this when we come back. Stay tuned, everyone. 
Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, thank you for staying with us. This is Karen Levitt. I'm joined with Pat Bateson, and we're talking about Pat's journey when she received the news of her diagnosis of cancer and through that she found her power amazing as that is with the heavy diagnosis she found her inner voice and inner strength so with that uh, pat began to recognize her inner strength and resiliency and strengths i'm sorry strengths that um helped her develop and so pat i'd like to touch on that Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing that through a diagnosis of cancer, you you actually became stronger. I did, yes. Um, I really recognized how powerful and resilient I was through it all. Um, I really considered myself to become a warrior woman because I was a girl who had always been so shy and quiet and afraid. And um, once I started moving through the through my cancer and the treatments and all that, I really recognized how strong and resilient. And powerful I was and, and felt like I could conquer anything, um, you know, because a lot of it also had to do with my thoughts and beliefs. And I recognized that I had an, a lot of old, antiquated beliefs that weren't serving me anymore. And so I really started to look at those as well and started to integrate new new beliefs about myself. And 
one of the biggest ones for me, Karen, was about the self-love. Um, breast cancer is about nurturing, uh, nurturing and loving yourself. And I really recognized there was that was a whole area of work that I could pursue of how finding ways to love myself more. And I did with just simple affirmations, um, really starting to take care of myself. I recognized I had spent my life taking care of others. This was my huge aha moment, as Oprah Winfrey would say, that mm-hmm. I need to start taking care of Pat first. And so I did. And at first that was difficult for me because I was not used to that. But once I did and my body responded and my mind and my heart softened, it was like I couldn't get enough of it because I truly wanted to give to myself. And then I fully recognized through that that then once I gave to myself, I could give to others so completely because I was really coming from a place of love. So for me, digging into the self-love piece was huge. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I spend my life doing that today is just ways to love myself more and to take care of myself on every level, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So that was a huge lesson for me as well. And earlier you mentioned, you know, how everything had affected your home life and your family. So now that you've made this shift, which I call the, you know, refer to the gift as a shift. So you got yes. the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, what well, once you really started to, um, you know, self-care, self-love, was there a shift? Oh, there was a definite, definite, definite shift. I mean, when I started practicing this, my body responded, my mind responded, I relaxed more, um, and then just all starts a, all new avenues started op- opening up for me, new people, new places, um, new thoughts about doing things in life differently, and um, the possibilities of what was next was very exciting for me, and um, it just became, I think, a precipice for my book. Um, once I started practicing all these things, a whole, whole new, wonderful, beautiful, amazing world opened up for me. And speaking of that, I know you talk a lot about forgiveness and gratitude in the book, and that was yeah. a large part of it for you, forgiveness and gratitude. So, um, thought, you know, we hear a lot about that. And how, how did you get started? I mean, I know you shared a lot, but how, you know, did you start with your forgiveness and gratitude? The, the day I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I've, and I've heard many people say this before, your whole world changes. And um, my whole world changed that day. And I remember walking into Whole Foods, which I'd been into forever, a grocery store. And I was in the produce section and I was looking at the peppers, bright yellow, orange, green, red peppers. I'd looked at them a million times before and something in my life had shifted and I saw them differently. I just saw them differently. I don't know how else to explain that except everything Mm -hmm. now that I saw was different to me. It was brighter. It was more beautiful. I was more aware of it. And... um, so I really became aware of when I was sick and I was in pain, the day that I, the days that I could get out of bed without pain was a day of gratitude. I mean, overwhelming gratitude and thanks for that feeling. When I would look out the window and I would say, see a beautiful red cardinal, I mean, I was in joy for the simple things in life. The day I got diagnosed, my life became very, very simple because I didn't need extraordinary big things in my life. I needed the extraordinary simple things. And that's what brought me joy and filled me up. As far as the forgiveness piece goes, I I needed to forgive myself first, so I began the forgiveness work with myself, and then I began it with other people, my mom, my dad, and, and ultimately, you know, myself as well, that I needed to forgive myself for maybe 
not having measured up enough or, you know, judging. I had been a great judge of myself my whole life, too. And so mm-hmm. forgiving myself for having done the best I could. And I also forgave my parents for having done the best they could with the tools they had. And that's what they gave me. And I was now doing this with my own family. I was doing the best I could. But I could forgive myself for any slights that I felt like I might not have been worthy enough or that I might not have done the right thing. I did the best I could. And forgiving mm-hmm. myself was so freeing. And so it, it was just it's a sense of freedom, deep freedom, that you don't have to carry that around anymore, the judgment and the not good enough and the not worthy enough. I am mm-hmm. worthy. I am the best that I can be. And I am perfect, whole, and complete. So I think gratitude and forgiveness are just two great gifts you can give yourself and give the world. Yeah, that, that's, it's really true, and it's beautiful. And once, you know, that integrates into your world, into your life, into your being. Yeah. It really does help create a shift. And I, when I was listening to you speak, you know, I know so many of us who are in the medical profession, we're so type A. And yeah. that's what makes us really good at what we do mm-hmm. because we're really good at getting yeah. it, getting things done, taking yeah. care of business. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, heart and soul too. But so to listen to you was like that you, um, you, you sort of broke through the type A, if you will, mold, you know, mold. Yeah, and, I did. And, and I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your heart led the way with that. That's beautiful. So it, we, it was. You have to let go. I had to let go of the mind. And I was a doer, like you said. You know, I get up and I was just boom, 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 boom. And you do it as a mother. You do it as a nurse. And and then this totally changed things up for me that I, it really wasn't my mind that was leading me anymore. It was my heart. And I had to take time that to just rest and to meditate or to just get still and be quiet and listen to the heart within that leads the way. And that was very different for me. But once I started doing it, it was like my I wanted more and more and more because it brought me such a sense of peace and joy, mm-hmm. uh, things that I had, you know, felt here and there, but not continuously. So it was like this letting go of an old way of being and letting this new way come in, which was just absolutely incredible, incredible mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to happen. I th- a lot of people, I think, are, are afraid, if you will, or, you know, oh, I can't do that. I think we sit in lotus positions and just, yeah. you know, the, the energy comes to you and it, it can yeah. start if you can only do... 30 seconds a day exactly. to start with. Exactly. And gratitude, it, it builds, and it's incredible. It and I love, I love hearing this from you. It's just, it's so beautiful. And um, when, did you, when did you know that it was time to write the book? When did you have that moment where you really had to yeah. birth this? It was about eight. It was about eight or nine years ago. I had I had you know done a tremendous amount of healing, and then when I went back to work. Um, I really recognized that I wanted to share this with other people. For me, being back in the workplace, first of all, I had walked the walk. Now I could really talk the talk. I was always compassionate and kind beforehand. But once you've experienced something that another person and patients are experiencing, you connect on a very different level. You know, they're not afraid to share with you their their greatest fears and their greatest joys. And so that really connected us together. And, and, and so I knew I wanted to write this book with my experiences and my wisdom and my journey, part of my journey, not just for cancer, but really for any physical, any any thing you're facing that's a challenge to you, if it's a thought, if it's a relationship. I wanted to really share this with people that... You know, this is what I did that helped me move through, that helped me to grow, that helped me to transform my life and live a life of peace and joy, which we are all entitled to. 
So this is what I did, and my hope was just to share that with other people to inspire and empower them and let them know that this is possible. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, you, you, you will be asked to do some work, but it is so worth it, and you will have this peacefulness and this gratitude that just changes your life and, and fills you. That's all I can keep, I keep hearing is fills you, fills you. And that's what it does. And, and you become this being of love and light that just, you walk down the street and, and people see that in you and they want to know, how did you do that? Where did it come from? And it's, it's just because you become this vessel of love and light. And so that's what I wanted to share in my book with, with anybody that was open to that, that this is possible for anybody. You can transform your life and live a life of joy and peace and beautiful gratitude every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're not, like I was saying, you, you're retired from nursing, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Was that, yeah, before you wrote the book or during the whole process you retired? No, I just retired from nursing in June, so just um, a couple of months ago. So oh. I was writing, I was writing part-time, and I was um, working as well, and um, every every moment that I had, I would be, okay, I, I want to get back writing, I want to get back writing, I want to get back writing. Um, I knew this was something that I really wanted to, to get out there, and um, I just felt that I had so many beautiful messages of, of love and hope that I could offer to people, so... Um, I, I did it eight years ago. I sent it out several years later. I had finished um, the book, and I sent it out, and I got positive and negative feedback. And I took it, and I brought it to an editor, and we revamped it. And then I had it the last time. I did a little more work, and then it was like, okay, are you ready to go? Let's let's go with this. Um, so the book came out in June, and I think I retired from my nursing career a couple weeks prior to that. And this is now becoming my new profession profession i guess you can call it i'm having mm-hmm. more fun connecting so um this is my the next part of my journey and i'm so excited to share it with everybody oh i'm i'm excited to have you here and we're going to pause for another quick break and when we come back i'd like to talk about the book in depth it's called firewalk okay. and um so we'll pick that up when we come back from the break we hope you stay tuned thank you Now on Voice America. The road you travel in life is never a straight line. It's more like running around in circles, which is not a problem when you make Richard Flint a part of your world. When you're standing next to Richard, you begin to see a lot less confusion and a whole lot more clarity. Things just start falling into place. Every Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The power to be with Richard Flint. Join us. And more power to you. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you are greater than anything that you could ever imagine? What if the raising of the consciousness of our beautiful planet begins with acknowledging the greatness you are? Listen for Conscious Life and Living with Jackie Chapman. What if it's time to take charge of your life, acknowledge what is, and know that you know? 
because you always do. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, thank you for staying with us. This is Karen. I'm joined by Pat Bateson. And before the break, we were going to come back and talk about Pat's book. Uh, which is truly a labor of love. The title of the book is called Firewalk. It's a paperback. It's 258 pages. The Fear of Awakening to Love. It's about walking into the symbolic fire of fear. And Pat, I'd like to uh, have you, you know, fill us all in on this great book. Sure. Um, yeah, so it's Firewalk. And it is really, like I said, it's about facing life challenges and walking into and through the fire. Um the title Firewalk is in the book. It has, it's very symbolic of what this book is about, and that's exactly what it was for me. It was walking into the, into the fire where I felt alone and vulnerable but not giving up, and I, you know, just pursued and I did what I needed to do to move through it, and um, it was just an amazing experience. So in the book, I share some of my personal journey, insights, wisdom, practical tools, that I used that really, really helped me along my journey and guides and a lot of love and wisdom and hope that, um, again, like I keep saying, is anybody can transform their life. They can move through and have everything that they truly desire. Um, one of the other things that I really learned facing my challenge was um, perhaps I was not so afraid of dying as I was to live live my best life. I really recognize that growing up where I did, I didn't have that growing up. But now again, as an adult, I for sure can have that and everybody can have that. Living your best life means, are you happy? Are you joyous? Are you peaceful? Are you doing what you came here to do? Are you living your life with passion and joy? You know, those were things I was kind of like, well, maybe, but you know, and the book propelled me into this. It was almost like I've been divinely guided every step of the way. Are you living your best life? And I am living my best life now, connecting, inspiring, being inspired. It is absolutely an amazing journey. And so, you know, for me to be saying this, living, living and daring greatly, living greatly, you just go out there every day and you have fun, you, have, you, you play. It's like you're a little kid again. And it is, it's just the greatest thing that you can give yourself. And, um... So that's what I, I hope that the reader will see, too, when they read it, at, at, that this possibility is there for everybody. It's like every day is a miracle, and a miracle is nothing more than a shift in perception. Every, the day I was diagnosed, my perception of everything shifted, and it just continues to grow in love. And when you do that, everything you see is, is with beauty and with grace, and it, it's just an amazing way to live your life, Karen. Mm-hmm. So you walk in gratitude every day. I mean, like... I suppose, you know, I suppose not every day goes perfect. I would imagine things do come up for you. So Correct. you just, you just let them go. It sounds like, right. You just let them go. You, you don't hold on to them. Right. Right. I mean, I allow myself to sit with things. If I'm feeling a certain way, I don't push it away. I allow myself to feel, um, I never used to allow myself to feel. I suppressed everything my whole life. So now if I feel sad, 
I allow myself to feel sad and then I move about my day and I try to find something, a blessing about it, a, a blessing about this day, a blessing about this, or is there something for me to learn? There are always lessons for me to learn along my journey. So I allow myself to feel what I'm feeling and then I find some grateful nugget in there that will mm-hmm. just help propel me through my day. And um, it's just it's just a beautiful way to, to live your life. It's like I, I almost envision like a kaleidoscope and I turn the kaleidoscope and when I turn it, I see it differently. So what I'm looking at is the same, but yet I just change it and I see everything differently. So it's my thoughts that have changed and my beliefs. And with that, everything in my body responds to that and changes as well. So it is How- a, gratitude is, is, is a very high level of love to walk your everyday life with. It really has served me very well. Yes. And early on, you know, you talked about your siblings and family and yeah. growing up codependent. So how do they now view you, you know, because they, they see you living and thriving and being, you know, and, and you certainly do carry light. You radiate. Um, yeah. how, how do they? How they they see it. Yeah, they, they actually, they all really Sorry. see it. I, I just actually visited my brother in the Carolinas this past weekend, and we did a meditation class, and we talked about my book. And um they were like blown away by it. And I'm not saying that in an ego way, but I mean, they've clearly seen the changes in me. My sister-in-law actually said, you know, there is such a peacefulness about you, which is, is I think a beautiful way to be described. Um, so I was honored that she said that. And I mean, obviously she could feel that, you know, coming from me and um, my, my sisters feel the same way as well. They're, they're both, they're all my siblings are beautiful beings of love and light too, but they really can see the transformation that has occurred within me. It's really from within um, that shines out through me. So um, they recognize it and see it and honor it. And I honor them as well because they've traveled this path with, with me as well and have done their work and they're all amazing souls as well. So I'm, I'm very blessed to have them for my siblings. Really very mm-hmm. So you're still all together on your journey, which is beautiful, because so yeah. often you hear about people become disjointed, you know, yeah. and drop drop to the side, if you will, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Then, then people sometimes label and say, well, I can't do that or this and that. And it's so nice that you've all remained close and, you know, grounded and bonded in love. Yeah. And I know um, with that in your, in your book, on page 229, you have a couple of paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. That yes. you make reference to, and I wondered if you would share that with the listeners because I love that. I would, yeah, I would love to. This, this chapter is titled Gratitude, and it begins, Everything has its wonders, even darkness and silence, and I learn whatever state I may be in, therein to be content. And that's a quote from Helen Keller. So I wrote, I can't think of anyone who understands the essence of the word darkness better than Helen Keller. Like her... I've been in that dark, solemn place, and it did not remotely satisfy me. I despise living in that kind of hell, alone and afraid, twisting through the haze of despair, only when I allowed myself to befriend the silence and just be still did a shift in consciousness begin. This shift ultimately propelled me into the light, and my perception of the whole world changed. Grace and goodness flow to me now and continue to do so daily. There is nothing I need to do to earn it, for it is indeed my birthright. If and when I find myself back in that funky, fearful place, I open my spiritual eyes and ears and intuit, without a doubt, that all is well. When I trust and have faith in God and the bigger picture, I recognize that a solution is always at hand. Whatever it may be, it will be for my highest good. 
Absolutely beautiful. Thank Thank you. And Pat, we're coming to a close. So with that, I would like, uh, could you share your website with the listeners, please? Yes, I would love to. My website is www.path, P-A-T-H, the number two, healing.us. And on my website is my book, Firewalk, and I also have a relax, relaxation CD for cancer survivors. It's a beautiful guided meditation. And I'll, also on my website is a blog. And then I'll share my Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook, and it's under Pat Bateson, B-A-T-E-S-O-N. And then on Instagram, if you want to get in touch with me, it's Pat, again, P-A-T-H, the number two, healing. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So it, it's been a privilege to have you here with me. And Thank to share you. It's with been all an honor listeners. to be here to, to speak with you, Karen, truly. It's been an honor oh. for me. We're, we're aligned, you know. I think we're aligned. We are. Yeah. We're meant, we're meant to be, yes. And yeah. uh, onward we go, right? And I yeah, want to thank okay. you, and I want to thank the listeners, and I hope that you all come back next week to join me for the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.